everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. With me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! And returning to the podcast today, our guest, Adam Volerick. Welcome back, Adam. Hello, hello. Good to be um, here. Adam is actually not just a guest today, but um, he has lent us his know-how and uh, experience with remote podcast recordings which is what we must do in this age of COVID-19 so thank you Adam for making this yes, remote you. recording possible you're helping us move no on problem. up I'm happy to do it you're helping us move um, on up <laughs> so we're hey man we're all in this yeah. together yeah. <laughs> exactly we gotta help each other out so much appreciated <laughs> and we're really excited to uh, get back into this so we picked a movie that I think is near and dear to all of us but is actually divided mm. it is the 2002 comic book movie Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Tobey Maguire. A couple of factoids about this movie that I'll pull up here. This movie falls into the category of having a positive score with critics and 90% approval on Rotten Tomatoes and a mixed score from audiences. That's 67%. How dare they? (laughs) I I was really shocked by that, (laughs) but let's try to figure out why that is. So uh, the critics' consensus on... Rotten Tomatoes. Not only does Spider-Man provide a good dose of web-swinging fun, it also has a heart thanks to the combined charms of director Sam Raimi and star Tobey Maguire. So, um, what did you guys think when you found out this was a divided film? I know I was surprised and actually kind of upset. I thought everyone loved this movie. I was quite shocked. Um, in in thinking about it, like. I and I, I feel like the the way that you this podcast sources um, audience score is on the Rotten Tomatoes website, right? So my assumption is then that that score is not necessarily purely reflective of what the reaction was at the time of the release, but therefore also the legacy of yes. the film. And that to me then is like sort of like the big red flag where I go. Oh no, like people don't like this movie anymore? <laughs> yeah, is it that it hasn't aged well? Or maybe, you know, we've had so many other Spider-Man movies come out. Do they think that this one just yeah. pales in comparison to what has come out since then? I mean, I'm sure we'll get into all the other Spider-Man movies we've had over the last 20 years. But I still think this one... I think we have to. Yeah, you really do. But I still think this one, like, stands out as one of the top ones for me. I agree, yeah. I was shocked. What do you think, I... Well, there's so many, I can't believe I'm saying it for this movie, but there's so many layers to this movie that all funnel into me loving it. Like mm-hmm. my reaction mm-hmm. to it then, my re, my love of uh, my film criticism to it, and also the legacy and the memes that led to it. Um, yeah. But when you said that this film was divided, I instantly thought that critics were the ones that were harsh on it. I Going through... And I not only did a deep dive on Rotten Tomatoes, I, I went down the rabbit hole. For, I did homework on this. Not saying I do, if, I, I do my homework on all the movies that we cover, but this one particularly has a rabbit hole. Like Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. one, critic, uh, one critic that we like quoting, was a 2.5. He was very meh about it. 2.5 out of yeah. 4. And going through the deep dive, of course you get, you go through the, uh, going, looking at audiences' reactions to it, then and now, everyone lo- uh, you get uh, an overwhelming amount of, I love this movie, this is my favorite, this is the one that started it all. Uh, and you get a few, I hate, I, I, it stinks and I don't like it. 
Oh, I love that line. Uh, <laughs> and but I'll, I'll you do and I did. Uh, you do find a good amount of. Uh, eh. It, oh, like, like kind of people who are like not just in the middle about it. I guess. I think. I think it garners a lot of two point fives and threes out of fives and fours. I think I could totally understand their criticisms, but that's not stopping me from loving it. Well, you know, one. Well, no, of course. Something not. I've heard um, some of the detractors say, at least like in person. I didn't see too many comments in Rotten Tomatoes about this. Is I think just some people don't like Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. Yes. And yeah, you know, looking at his performance, I guess what maybe some of the other Spider-Man movies capture that these this franchise doesn't is the humor of Peter Parker. I guess Tobey Maguire is maybe a little serious as Peter Parker. They focus more on the nerdy, awkward part of it, and not so much as the sarcastic jokester that the comic book fans know well the thing about that though that i i immediately disagree with is that actually spider-man is the mouthy one peter parker is not and that's very true in this movie like he's he's calling green goblin gobby (laughs) which is like just ridiculous and he's he's making jokes all the time when he's got the suit on which i think is part of the charm of this movie it's part of what makes it work so well um, and I know, and we're going to have to discuss sort of like the legacy of Spider-Man movies while talking about this one. But like, I think one of the things that like carries over into the Tom Holland performance is that they sort of lean into this similar sort of thing where it's like Peter Parker is like, he's got a lot of heart and he um, is like nerdy and awkward. So like the Holland version, of that character ends up being like very sweet, but Spider-Man has still got a mouth on him, you know? Maybe that's part of how the suit gives him more strength, you know, more confidence that as Peter Parker, yeah. he wants to have. And, you know, these powers in the suit just are maybe the part of him that he's always wanted to be. So I, I, a part of this movie kind of is wish fulfillment too. You know, he beats up the bully, oh, yeah, he gets the girl, you know, or maybe not, you know, kind of at the end. Um, but, you know, I feel like that aspect of it is very relatable. You know, I think. Yes, I, th- I think you're you're tapping into like why Spider-Man works, and like for me, like why like Spider-Man is like my guy, mm-hmm. like of like he's he's my favorite superhero, and it comes down to the fact that like he's so relatable. He is a normal guy, and he, and actually he's 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 less than a normal guy, right? Because he he's nerdy in a time and like a generation where being nerdy actually meant something it means being uncool it's during a time period where if you study hard you suck yeah like if you if you like things and you don't like them it's not ironic liking something you you legitimately like something you care about it you give a shit you suck fuck you like that was the sort of generational opinion for like what like you know from the 60s until i want to say until like the 2010s in fact i think that's that's um, something that 21 jump street kind of captures right is the sort of shift away from cool being cool to like ironically nerdy being cool and this yeah peter parker is kind of suffers in that past version of what's cool and uncool although even the nerds do not like him in this movie i did yeah on the bus i sent yes on the bus it's i sent you a text when i was watching this jj i'm like what did he do that even the like what did he do (laughs) it's like he told on the drug dealer in school that everyone is just everyone hates him. The bus driver hates him. Like he, this, even the bus driver won't stop for him. <laughs> yeah, like, the bus driver every time. Is messed up. Everyone bullies him. That is messed up. It's very funny. I mean, 
Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but like all of that is like why I relate to Spider-Man and, I, I, and I'm, I'm guessing that, or not, not Spider-Man, I relate to Peter Parker. Uh, I, I feel like you, you have to acknowledge that like Peter Parker and Spider-Man while in, while being the same body and mind are kind of two different yes. people and he he's usually performed as such. Um, but I want to get back to that like wish fulfillment thing you said earlier, mm-hmm. JJ, where it's like, yeah, like you you know, if you're like a nerdy guy of a certain generation um, who wears glasses and like, you know, gave a shit about stuff and was given a hard time for doing so you look at peter parker and you're like that's that's who i see myself as and boy i wish i i could do the other thing i wish i could be Mm spider-man i wish i could like have that strength it's a real sort of thing where um and a, a thing where i really personally dig into it like i have a lot of like physical like chronic health issues and then i look at someone like spider-man and he's like especially in this movie is presented as like so scrawny and then he gets the the bite and all of a sudden all of that melts away and is replaced by this like real physical strength and you just see the freedom that comes with that physical strength. Yep. Obviously, the dark side of the wish fulfillment we'll have to get into is the uh, the classic line where with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I mean, I think that's what makes this character so special to, to me and, and to, to many people. And, you know, the, the, the bite happens fairly early on in the movie, but I think they do a good job just establishing very quickly who this kid is and, like, the world he yeah. lives in. I mean, so many of those quick moments in the beginning, I feel like, are relatable almost in a cringy way. Like when Mary Jane Mm -hmm. waves past him and he thinks she's waving at him. You know, like little moments like that. It's like, it's almost too relatable. It's like, ooh, I can't even like watch because I feel like I've had those kind of embarrassing, awkward moments growing up. And this, so this movie is like tapping into that almost a little too well. Through no fault of its own, this movie is definitely of the time. Like this is an early 2000. Like if you were to say, what year this movie came out? Just look at Macy Gray. <laughs> oh yeah, Macy Gray at the concert <laughs> yeah. there. Well, and and the um the the awful credits song that like new metal. What is it? Creed uh, no, uh, or is it Nickelback. Who is it's it? Nickelback. It's Nickelback. Uh, but uh, it's Nickelback. And right? uh, yeah. Matchbox Twenty, I believe, did the Spider Man. Uh, but also having title credits in the beginning, like five minute long title credits you really don't Which see I a enjoyed. movie okay well if 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 danny elfman writes you a score you make an opening credit oh and I, this like, might that's, be that's what that's how this might goes. be my favorite danny elfman score it's so recognizable and it just it's when really you think good. about yeah. it you just you just think of those amazing sequences of spider-man you know swinging through the streets of manhattan yeah. it, it's it's so iconic Running. now i feel yeah yeah like, yeah you the um, thing I, I i would argue that like the Spider-Man Two score is ever so slightly. I would better. I would say that um, too. Yeah, there's a there's a couple. There's a couple. I mean, it's like I know it's like it's the same thing basically, but like there's just a couple of like new themes in that score that like I think outdo this one. But um, I don't know if either of you have played the recent Spider-Man game for PlayStation Four, which again we can we can sort of talk about more in depth when we sort of describe the legacy of the character. But um, I a, a thing I was doing for a while was just playing that game, which has incredible you know web swinging through new york stuff for you to do and just putting on the spider-man 2 score in the background and just like feeling the the like the rush of like being spider-man it's such a good you know, time to be fair too you know everything in spider-man 2 is like a bit better than the first one so yeah. it makes sense that the score well, also would be elevated to match everything else yeah and we should we, we should at some point we should like rank uh spider-man Ooh, I definitely want um, to get into that too towards the end yeah i should have um, done that but, before that's tough that's tough now you know, with spider-verse 
if uh, if Toby Maguire mm-hmm. though is maybe a point of contention, I feel like uh, the rest of the cast, like Willem Dafoe, I feel like everyone loves in this movie. He's so good. He knows exactly what movie he's in. Yeah. Like he he gives it this incredible like sinister feeling while also tapping into the sort of like heartfelt and like campy nature of like a Sam Raimi hey, film. Like he's he's doing it was it a good really thing. great. It was a good mix of okay? it was a good mix of Sam Raimi like all his Sam Raimi got to flex his horror muscles with with uh, yeah. Willem Dafoe with the Green Goblin, and that was such a perfect yeah. mix with Willem Dafoe. It's surprising that he wasn't the first choice. It's surprising. That uh, who they, else was the first choice? Who? Yeah, who was the first? Uh, choice all our other creepy character actors: John Malkovich, uh, Ooh. Uh, Nick, which who he wanted to bring back in the fourth movie as Vulture. Which I, the lizard. I want the lizard should have been the villain. They set that guy up to be the villain in the throughout the whole franchise. Yeah, but Nicolas Cage. Uh, Bill Paxton, um, uh, Mel Gibson. I think Mel Gibson. Uh, Paxton. Bill, done Mel it. Gibson was up for like every, he was up for Batman in Keaton's day. Uh, John Travolta and De Niro. And the original the role was originally intended to be played by Billy Crudup, but he dropped out. That's so interesting because Billy Crudup was also supposed to be Hulk in Angry really? Hulk, which is why the CG Hulk in that movie. Uh, doesn't look like Eric Banner. It's because he was modeled after. I Billy didn't know Crudup. that. That's really crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like the so Jack Frost we, snowman being like supposed to be George Clooney. To yeah, that's, that's the first right. thing that came to yeah. mind. Well, you know, Willem Dafoe. I'm glad is in this movie because I really, I really like Willem Dafoe in almost everything he's in. Um, I yeah. even saw not too long ago uh, Speed Two Cruise Control, and it was like <laughs> the only redeeming quality of that movie. But I've never seen that one. I got to see it's, that. It's really bad and really dumb, but Willem Dafoe has, is like so over the top. It's like classic Dafoe. Uh, but in this, yeah, you're right. He hits all the right moments. And yeah, you know, as the goblin, he's having fun. But even as Norman Osborn, I feel like there's like the, he captures like the more subtle parts of that. Cause you know, yes. he, Norman Osborn before the experiment is actually kind of a nice guy and could have been like a good mentor <laughs> to Peter Parker, which I feel like is part of the Peter Parker tragedy is all these potential father figures get taken away yeah. from him. Always. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of, I think that makes the character more interesting. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, yeah, as as just Norman Osborn, he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy, and then he's like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of performance well, towards, towards I, the middle. Oh yeah, well it's it's absolutely they're doing Jekyll and Hyde. There's no question about that. But I would I would disagree a little bit that Norman Osborn is a totally good and normal guy before he becomes Green Goblin because he's still like you know kind of like a bloodthirsty businessman, and when his you know head of science is like. Uh, actually, this is incredibly dangerous, and we need to go back to the drawing board. He is like back to formula. Back to formula. Uh, back to like formula. he's like he, like like before he becomes goblin, he's ready to kill that guy. Also, if we could acknowledge for a moment, um, and this is you know this kind of leads into my like main contention with the um mcu spider-man films which i enjoy Mm. watching but just generally kind of have some beefs with um the villain of this film norman osborne is a weapons manufacturer and what the thing he's trying to sell is he's trying to sell technology to the u.s military which i think makes is you know is very sort of like a post 9-11 thing like i think that's really cool that that's a part of this movie um 
but the idea that Norman Osborn is actually like, oh, he's like a nice guy. Like I have huge beef with because the dude is trying to sell drugs to the military oh, yeah. to create an army of super soldiers, as well as like weapons technology, which presumably they're going to be using in like the war on terror. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice on the surface, and, and, maybe then. <laughs> and then deep down, yeah. he's like, well, more... he, the person he is nice to is Peter Parker. Yeah. He's fucking horrible his to his son. own yeah. son. True, true. <laughs> as of today, Oscorp Industries has surpassed Quest Aerospace as the principal supplier to the United States military. In short, ladies and gentlemen of the board, costs are down, revenues are up, and our stock has never been higher. Wonderful news, Norman. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, it's the reason we're selling the company. What? Yes, Quest Aerospace is recapitalizing in the wake of the bombing. Expanding. They made a tender offer we can't ignore. Why wasn't I told? The last thing they want is a power struggle with entrenched management. The deal is off if you come with it. The board expects your resignation in 30 days. But you can't do this to me. I started this company. You know how much I sacrificed? This movie is to me like, uh, the post 9-11 movie by the way like yeah all the teaser trailers yeah there's even a deleted scene where uh, Spider-Man captures like these guys getting away in a helicopter who like robbed a bank or something in a web that he spun between the twin towers and I think that might have been the scene where they reveal the costume because there's no real it, it was the first teaser trailer for the film yeah. I remember seeing it in theaters mm -hmm. and then literally like I remember a week after 9-11 and like you know, we were what, like, you know, 10 years yeah. old mm -hmm. back then. I I remember specifically, like, my parents telling me, oh, they're, like, recutting Spider-Man. Yeah. I was just like, whoa. Like, they, I, the like, bridge I on totally this, rethink of it. the stuff on the scene yeah. uh, on the bridge was reshot. Like, you know, America, like, you knock one of us, you knock them all. Like, you're... A you mess which, with one of us, you mess with the whole city. That was yeah, a which at the time is like, yeah, yeah, from an audience perspective. Now I think it's like a little bit um, like almost too well, cheesy. He lands I on. I disagree. I disagree. I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, uh, I, my, he, he, a thing that has been happening to me a lot, and not that I want to instantly date this episode, but, you know, we're in the middle of this like, you know, quarantine during a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. I am. I live in Manhattan. I'm. I'm not able to go outside very often because I'm at risk if I get the virus, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, a thing that's been happening lately is that when I watch movies set in New York, uh, a city I currently live in, I get such extreme nostalgia for this city, mm -hmm. even though I'm sitting in it right now. That even like just wide shots of the skyline can bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> Watching this Spider-Man movie a few days ago during all of this, during that scene, which, you know, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, yeah, could be cheesy. Like, I was, like, jumping out of my seat, being like, yeah! Yeah. Like, I was, like, I was so in it. Like, Well, you know, also, I think there's a, there's a sense of pride to, uh, you know, anytime you see a movie that takes place in New York City. And I, I also like recognizing all the different locations that mm -hmm. uh you know like the daily bugle is a flat iron building and yes uh, i think uh oscorp is like the bank of china uh yes. on brian park right is that that's that's yeah, right i recognize yeah. that. i mean that's a little more of an obscure location but still like as a new yorker it's fun to pick up on all those different locations 
and uh, yeah although to 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 have one beef with the uh you know locational accuracy of the film uh peter parker who lives in sunnyside queens refers he he says i'm gonna i need a right i'm gonna go to the downtown library and uncle ben is like oh i'll drive you to the downtown library and it is like the main new york public library in like Midtown. yeah yeah that's something that uh (laughs) totally went over my head as a kid when i had no idea and now yeah you watch and it's like wait a minute that's not right yeah, <laughs> we uh, we had a similar beef when we went over Home Alone two, and it's like, how is Kevin McAllister getting all over Manhattan one day? He's like yeah. in Central Park, then he's in Chinatown. You know, it's uh, most people, I guess, they don't really know New York geography, so you can right. totally get away with that sort of thing. Also, Adam, one point I wanted to make back with why I love Spider Man as well is, and you and you and JJ will uh, might agree with me on this is his rogue gallery. And I want to relate this to Green Goblin. Sure. I think he's. I think he, Spider-Man to me is probably second to Batman in terms of his villains. Uh, that that being mm-hmm. said, Green Goblin was never a favorite of mine in the comics or in the comics and the TV show. I always preferred the Sinister Six, Mysterio, uh, Sam. I was excited for Sandman. Doc Ock to me was my favorite. At- Do- Doc Ock is my favorite because. Um- I feel like, you know, you mentioned uh, someone, I think one of you mentioned before this sort of like surrogate father thing that we get in this film with uh, with Norman, with Norman Osborn. And I think that the Otto Octavius version of that surrogacy is even more intense and more palpable, um, both in the comics, but especially in Spider-Man 2 and also in the, the Spider-Man video game to the point where you are like, literally heartbroken when they have to like you know they they know who each other are and they have to still fight and and and, and be at each other's well, throats yeah you don't I, I don't think you get as much of that in this with with norman like when it comes time for spider-man to to take him out like you you're sad but you're not like you're not hurt i think there's more too of a, a confliction with peter's friendship with harry i think in the moment yes it, at right the end you know, right before um he dies uh i think you can see i think the horror the the reaction peter's having is not just that it's norman it's that this is his best friend's father yeah, yeah. and um that is obviously what we see uh continue in the second and third movies um and you know just again to, to that james franco what do you guys think of his performance in this this for me was my introduction to james franco I think it was for me as well. Yeah. Um, I think he's fine. Like he's he's good, but you know he doesn't he doesn't need to do much. Not much is asked of him, and he does what he does well. Um, yeah. I don't think that um, it's it's not like it's hardly like a memorable performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you I think he gets better. I think he gets better as the movie. He, he, like, I personally love the third one for its own reasons of, and i know it's bad but it's really good bad uh but i think he gets better as an actor like oh, from the first movie to even like even the second movie he undergoes like a good performance but yeah you're right he's kind of just he's doing the part well and you're surrounded by other great performances like your dad is literally the scene stealer of the of the movie uh that mm-hmm. it just kind of yeah. like um, hey, you you were a good Harry Osborn. I don't have any ill will. It just it didn't really stand out for yeah. me. I think that maybe the point is in his character is it's expanded upon in the sequel. So in this one, yeah, it's it's not quite his moment yet. 
but you know in the second and third ones mm-hmm. is when he gets more of a chance to, sh- to to shape out the character um and then i'm just trying to go through the cast some more um jk simmons is another fan favorite he's, he's perfect yeah. i mean he's so perfect that then when they need to do the character a second time they're like let's just get the same like no one could replace far from home that yeah you literally cannot replace yeah him. no that was great and that was like a really great moment for fans at the end of the mid credit scene right in far from home that they yeah, reveal him I, believe, I have to yeah. say though that was a, a quick little tidbit here that was overhyped for me in a way i wasn't sure yet dom uh had seen had mm. seen far from home before me i i, I saw I, I saw it with him um <laughs> at a we were at a press screening for oh. it like, a, like two weeks before it came mm-hmm. out yeah. yeah he had seen it before me and when we were talking before i had seen it he hyped it up this he's like there's a scene in the credits that's the most amazing thing that's ever happened in all of the mcu you're gonna love it it's beyond what you could possibly imagine i'm like what is like deadpool gonna show up is like what's gonna happen he's like it, i can't say but it's you can't even imagine it's so amazing so i went to see it and almost the whole movie <laughs> i'm just like just get to this end credit scene already because i dom built it up so much and then it's jk simmons i'm like oh that's cool, but it was like it was hyped up way too much that it was actually kind of a letdown. So it was it was it was a nice surprise, but not maybe as amazing as some other people thought. And it's another mm-hmm. thing. I was I it's was another. Stoked. It's an amazing thing that he also no one I, was really their first choice for this movie. Toby, the studio didn't want Toby Maguire. Elizabeth Dunce was kind of picked out from Kirsten Kirsten Dunst. My bad. Uh, but she was she, a bunch of actresses tried out at the time. Uh, but even J.K. Simmons had to audition with like Hugh Laurie, Arlie Ermey, Dennis Farina, Michael Keaton, Bill Paxton. Even uh, Stan Lee really wanted to play the character and auditioned. Of course. Oh, he did. that would have been a really ironic sort he's, of thing. He's too. Uh, he's too like nice, small. <laughs> Yeah, he's I think that's nice his favorite smooth, character. Like, like Spider Man, I think he Spider Man yeah. is his favorite character, and he just loves, uh, like, he just yeah. wanted to be a part I, of it. I don't know if you would have been ha- been able to have the same like speed of his delivery as J.K. Simmons. Like his timing no. in that delivery, and as well as everyone else in that Daily Bugle, um, like little cast there. You also have uh, Sam Raimi's yeah, brother, but, um, t- yeah, Ted Raimi, yeah, Ted Raimi, <laughs> and then Elizabeth Banks, and then. Um, just like their dynamic, I mean, that kind of—it's like a little sitcom yeah. that you get in every movie. These these like yeah. funny little tidbits here. So that's a nice part of the the campy charm that is Sam Raimi's bread and butter. They're crap, 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 mega crap. I'll give you two hundred bucks for all of them. That seems a little low. Take them somewhere else then. Sir, your wife says the tile you ordered for the foyer is out of stock. Tell her we'll just put a rug there. Sit down. Give me that. I'll give you 300 That's a standard freelance fee. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photos. Menace? He was protecting that armor. I'll tell you what, Atticus, you take the pictures, I'll make up the headlines, okay? All right? That okay with you? Yes, sir. Goody. Give this to the girl up front, just so you get paid. I'd like a job, sir. No jobs. Freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more shots of that newspaper selling clown, maybe I'll take him off your hands. But I never said you have a job. But bring up Stan Lee. I was watching the um, special features for the film on the Blu-ray, and they have a little quick interview with Stan Lee talking about inventing Spider-Man. And he says that the way he invented Spider-Man was that he was hanging out in his office, and he saw a fly on the wall, 
And uh, he was like, wow, isn't that interesting that a fly can crawl up and down the wall? I should make a superhero that can do that. Ah, you know, I'll, I'll call him Fly, fly Man. Man. And then, he was, and, and then he, he, the next thing he says is, you know what? But then I realized that Fly Man, not a very sexy name. No sex appeal to Fly Man. So I thought to myself, what could be sexier? And he's like, he's like I thought about Bug Man, Insect Man, Wall Man, Spider Man. That's the I like one. Wall Man, <laughs> the, the man who's half wall, half man. You know, and then when you say Fly Man, it makes me think of Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. Yeah, like, in the fly, at the end yeah. when he like does the full transformation, that's that's coming to mind. Peter should be lucky yeah. to turn into a full half human, half spider hybrid. He lucked out. Uh, they Although wanted he, to. He does in some stories. Oh, really? Like he gets like eight arms yeah. and. I, I have a I have an action figure. Um, actually, I, mean, I have no idea where it is. In my childhood, I had an action figure that was based on an, an, an arc in the Spider-Man animated series where um, something happens to him and he literally grows like six more arms. And so he becomes like a, an eight-armed uh, monster. I remember man. that. Oh, wow. I remember those episodes. Like he, yeah. It was like a gray mm-hmm. spider. I can't remember the reason why. I don't think he gets bit again. I think, I, yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, but I remember that vivid, well, the images vividly. But it was cool though. You could you could squeeze the legs, and then all of his arms would go like this. Oh, so it's like they're <laughs> all like, connected <laughs> to each other. They were and, and yeah, sorry, no one listening to this, but it would just you would squeeze the legs together, and all six of his arms would like curl around his body as though they. Were I thought he was giving quotations, okay. like <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, I also had a uh, sort of a thing with a connection to the fly watching this when you see the little hairs growing out of his fingers, yes. you know, like that, that, that gives him the power to crawl up walls, which in actuality that and the spider sense, I think in the comics are the only true physical parts of his powers because the web slinging is like something he invents in this movie, right? They, they, kind of change that from the yeah, comics th- where it's like an organic th- yeah part this is it. the only i believe this is the only version of spider-man where he has organic yeah. web shooters which i know a lot of a lot of like people have a problem with i don't have a problem with that i know Raimi said his reason for doing so was he was like in a in a, a film where so much suspension of disbelief is required i thought that getting the audience to believe that a high school senior would invent mechanical web shooters was a bridge too far hmm. Which on the which I I kind of get, and also it enables him to do this incredibly weird but like pretty effective like riff on like hormonal development and uh, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, say the quiet part loud but like you know you know we know what he's doing yeah. there and I think it works. Well, uh, the, yeah. the one part where Aunt May I think like peeks into his room and there's webs everywhere. Exactly, <laughs> I think that is like the, the illusion there. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think. Uh, with at the time i i went along with it and i still like with the sam raimi trilogy it works but i'm very happy they even like the andrew garfield spider-man i think that was like a big point like he's making his own webs and they went along with it with tom holland and i'm it i think it only works for me in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man just because it works in the sequel too it's all in the sequel works even better when all of a sudden his powers aren't working and yeah yeah he gets mid mid swing all of a sudden it's not working I think that plays into it pretty well um it's so good so you know with the humor of this movie uh, (laughs) it has such a great charm and I feel like this kind of humor is maybe what set the standard for a lot of other comic book sort of uh comedy that we saw even in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a lot of sort of um, 
uh, subversive humor where you kind of maybe like deflate a tense moment with something humorous and uh, a lot of like sarcastic sort of humor. I, I feel like the the beat, at least, is something that you see a lot of other comic book movies um, take from. So this, I feel like without this Spider-Man movie and trilogy, you might not have gotten a lot of other comic book movies. Well, I mean, without this movie, you definitely don't get other comic book movies because this movie was just an unabashed commercial success. Yeah. It was Sony's highest grossing film until like two years ago when the first Jumanji film came mm-hmm. out, or three years ago, whenever that was. Um, so like this movie doing gangbusters at the theaters is why we, we're in the situation we're in now. Yeah, you and, know? And- I mean, you can credit Iron Man for like the second wave of that, but like Iron Man doesn't happen without this movie. I, I agree. I agree. And I, a lot of comic book movies before this, like, what did you have? I mean, people credit Spider-Man and X-Men, I think, or as, like, yeah. the beginning of, like, the 2000s era of comic book movies. Because I guess before that, in the 90s, I feel like comic book movies are pretty dark. And you actually, you had a yeah, lot of have, more obscure comic book movies adapted into film. I, I think it's interesting that, for example, like, Blade was made into a movie before Spider-Man was. Right. And it's it's interesting that you bring up sort of like the this weird like nether zone where we have like these darker superhero movies because I don't think you can really talk about Sam Raimi's Spider Man without also giving a little shout out to Darkman. Mm-hmm. So before making this movie, um, he Sam Raimi had always wanted to make a comic book film and he was trying to get the rights to things like the Shadow and the Spirit and um, at one point even Batman like he wanted to do the, his his own superhero film and no one would let him make one so he just invented his own superhero movie his own his own character with the idea that it would be like this darker sort of uh, creature or person and Darkman ends up being kind of like a cross between like the Phantom of the Opera and, or like a universal horror movie and a superhero uh, movie. And it's also got elements of like noir movies and detective stories. It's a really wild, weird, dark, strange film that also has that kind of like Sam Raimi blend of like goofy horror and also a totally like unironic like heart at its center and that's why he um that's why his unabashed love for comics and spider-man i think is also his favorite because at one point james cameron right before titanic he was supposed to direct his own weird mary jane and him having sex on the brooklyn bridge version of spider-man uh and then and then he went away to do titanic and it's and then Sony bought the rights and they went through like Roland Emmerich was uh, at one point like going to do it. Yeah. And I saw Fincher was considered uh, and as he well. was going to do the death of Gwen Stacy. That was his. I'm kind of happy Fincher did not. A very, of course, talented director. I'm happy he didn't do it. Uh, Chris Columbus was going to do it and then he said, no, I want to do the first Harry Potter. And then Sam Raimi came in, showed him all mm. twenty five thousand versions of his comic book. And yeah, no, his goof, his horror background with love of superheroes and just it's a combination of tone that just works for this movie. And well, yeah, this was the first movie to cross a hundred million dollars in a weekend. X-Men didn't do that, but I would say, yeah, this is the start of what we have now. Because they all tried to Mm -hmm. recreate it with Fantastic Four, Daredevil. Like then they they really started looking at properties and then they bungled those Hulk as well. well. Fantastic and, Four came uh, after this. Uh, 
I'm sorry. I, I will not allow you to uh, speak ill of Ang Lee's Hulk in my. That presence. is a, that is a. Vi- uh, I love that. I love that movie. That could be. I think the, divided debate. Um, divided. That debate. is that so divided. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I only seen it once, and I I I would love to do is, a deep dive that, of it. That that movie has aged like wine. Um, and I, part, part of why I say that is um, not only does that movie just rule on its own, it's a great film, but in a world where um, every like three months we get a new superhero movie and they all, no shade to the MCU, I, yeah. I've seen every one of those movies, I've seen them all in theaters, I've enjoyed the vast majority of them. Um, but they all feel like they and they and they do they all feel like they come from the same like factory press. I get that. Whereas you know a movie like Hulk is so clearly the vision of one person who is trying something interesting. Like you you know whatever you think of that movie, you at least have to admire it for its authorship and like its its uniqueness. And I would say that the. Like, ba- like basically when you look at like the Marvel Cinematic Universe the director is like the least important person involved in the making of any of those films and it's not necessarily a problem I'm just saying that like from like that sort of perspective like there's not a lot of interesting uh, things on display and I think the like the three superhero franchises that actually you feel the presence of the director the film is better because of who they've chosen the film is more interesting because of who they've chosen uh are these spider-man films angley's hulk and obviously like nolan's batman trilogy and i think pretty much the rest of them with like a few exceptions here and there like the first iron man uh thor ragnarok the yeah Thor, thor ragnarok um even kenneth branagh's thor um, the first one and uh, I would say like the first Guardians of the Galaxy mm. like there's like a few of those there where you're like ah yes this is like I'm watching a film I'm w- that's that's come for me an interesting unique voice um, and I don't feel necessarily the big hand of the studio uh, you know forcing you know X Y and Z to happen here. would you also put Tim um, Burton in that category with the uh, absolutely yeah, this, this. yeah sorry I, I, I can't believe I forgot Burton yeah. there and even Schumacher who like you know whatever you think of those movies like only Joel Schumacher could have made those that movies. Batman is Joel Schumacher's Batman the uh, bat yeah. nipples yeah no I mean you know yeah. like it's fun to poke fun at that but you know that was that was his take you know love it or hate it and you know, even if you don't like it, I think, you know, what Keith said about Spider-Man 3, I mean, Batman and Robin is fun bad, you know, at least it's like watchable and fun. You can, you know, have mm-hmm. a good time watching it ironically. Um, and yeah, I don't want to bash Joel Schumacher since he, you know, he recently Rest in you know, peace. passed away yeah. and I enjoy a lot of his movies too. I mean, I watched Phone Booth the other day and I really like that movie. Yeah. Phone Booth. I, I've been, I'm like, oh man, I really want to rewatch that now. I saw that movie on VHS like a million years ago and I remember being like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, look at what you can do. It's so I, little. Another you know? very er, of its times, too, early 2000s movie. Oh, yeah. Qu- quick side note. I found it very disappointing that a lot of major Hollywood, uh, like, variety and Hollywood uh, reporter, like, Batman director Joel Schumacher dies. I'm like, he owned the 80s and early 90s. He trans. I'm like, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I he should have been remembered. Than, like he ha, he's more than just, Batman. More than just Batman. And that was yeah. I just found that very yeah. like like he I agree. He, he was such a trendsetter you know in the really 80s. What would be funny is if 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 when uh you know you know god forbid I hope he's healthy and fine but like could you imagine if 
when George Clooney died, they were like Batman actor George Clooney. I bet died. there's going to yeah. be some. I bet there's going to be some. <laughs> that would be insane. Um, just to bring it back around full circle. Um, yeah. So, you know, with you mentioned that you know, Spider-Man is very of its time, you know, early 2000s. Do you think, I mean, I, I know Keith, we've talked about this before, but I guess some of the special effects don't hold up as well. Uh, but is that even no. a fair thing to criticize the movie for? You know, if, if the, you know, that was maybe what it, was available at the time. Should we hold it against it for, for what's been better now? I think it depends. Like, if you're if you're looking at it and you're like, this technology is inferior. Like, that's not really a fair criticism. It's, you know, it's it's what they if had. If you were a robot they critic. Do. Yeah, it's, it's more like, you know, what are they doing with the technology? And, like, was that a good decision? Should they have done something else? And, I mean, for me, the effects that don't hold up as well... Uh, um, when it's clearly like a, a CG like stunt double like flying through New York like that's the stuff that doesn't hold up as well the rest of the stuff pretty much works for me but even when I'm like looking at that I'm like this was what they had the shot compositions themselves the way the camera moves the way the music swells the way the scene is edited like all of that stuff still works and the emotion is there so therefore like everything works around the effect and therefore the effect doesn't age that badly other than it's just technological inferiority um and what we have become accustomed to instead i, I think well, it's fun to have a laugh at uh just, just because we're watching it on blu-rays and everything else and i always think the parade scene especially when the guy, like that's when it could be a little jonky. That's that's but, true. That's that scene. But John so uh, Dykstra, who did and they uh, who did the visual effects, mm-hmm. he's the reason like we have lightsabers. As you as you said, yeah. Adam, they gave it their all for this. They made the reason for they wanted when he's swinging through the city, they wanted to look like a dance in the sky. And the, the contraptions yeah. that they used uh, to make the camera just go like fall, free fall. I just think it worked well, and they definitely improved in the sequel because he won an Oscar for the sequel. This movie won, a sh- uh, this movie right. won its Oscars as well, but they definitely, like, how can we be better? How can we make this movie better? And right. uh, I don't fault it for being, I don't fault it for the story because that was, the, I think, aside from, like, Superman with Christopher Reeves, this is the classic, you know, first hours, the origin story, which they nailed. They got everything right with that. And then the second half, you can, you know, I I, th- well, I don't fault it for let's that talk story. About the story a little bit, like so. The I think in trying to think about that like audience score, um, I was trying to like ask myself, okay, what hasn't aged well? And I like within the first thirty seconds, I was like, oh, this is what hasn't aged well. Is when in the voiceover he goes, you know, like all good stories, this is a story about a girl. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And I was just like, oh no, is that what this movie is? Like, I it's not, it, for though. whatever reason, like that is not what, uh, not what I remember it being. Um, <laughs> and I'll I'll just kind of go ahead and say that I think that like that part hasn't aged well because when the way it sets up this love triangle between harry uh peter and um mary jane is sort of this like classic sort of um put like love triangle that like never ages well in any form where it's essentially you know like i think the the crystallization of it for me is when harry says to peter well you never made a move and it's sort of this weird implication that like 
Mary Jane doesn't actually have a choice in who she's dating here. It's just whichever one of them decided they wanted to first. And I think that is, like, gross and, like, not great. Um, I think, you know, we can say that's of its time. You can also say that at the end of the movie, Mary Jane does kind of reclaim some of her agency. She, like, definitively decides to leave Harry intending to you know be with peter although even then when she is saying to him at the end of the movie like there's only one man who's always been there like for me throughout like my whole life and i'm just like well technically he was in fact there but the film makes it very clear early on that even though peter is harboring this like long-standing feeling of of love for her they've not done much interacting until like the midpoint of this movie yeah no that's true if anything he's there kind of from a creepy point of view because he can look into her bedroom that's yeah not so great yeah exactly (laughs) kind of you know uh to to use some more modern nomenclature i'm like oh he's a little bit of an insult oh Oh, i wouldn't go that far (laughs) i do believe there's a like someone like recut this movie and made a made it into a horror like a stalker movie like he pops out of every like he pops out of her work it's like hey mary jane i was just like hanging out oh that's I true i was just in the neighborhood yeah it's not uh, great but and mary jane herself is not that much of a character and i think you like you know get say she gets saved about like four times in this movie i completely yeah. and, and in the whole the yeah. whole franchise she gets saved probably like 20 times or so you know just by the time she gets kidnapped in the third movie it's like all right already well, but but that is, I mean, that's the, the challenge of being both Peter Parker and Spider-Man, though, right? And, like, you know, the best Spider-Man stories are also great Peter Parker stories. And, like, that's why Spider-Man can't have a girlfriend, because then that person is at risk. That's why she's always getting kidnapped all the time, is because in every movie, one of the villains figures out who his secret identity is, figures out who he loves, and then uses that to threaten him. Um which again is sort of like why I end up loving Peter Parker and this character so much is because being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker are always at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of one of my favorite sort of uh, moments in Spider-Man is in the animated series. There is this one episode where he and P- Peter Parker, Mary Jane, and Aunt May are at like a cocktail party or something, and some villain attacks and like the whole thing goes nuts and he immediately disappears turns into spider-man saves everyone at the party including physically saving uh may and mary jane and when they when once he's done saving everyone he runs away puts his regular clothes back on he comes out and he's like hey it's i'm back and and they're just like you left us like why would you leave us like that like we had to wait for spider-man to come and save us because you left us <laughs> i'm just like that that pain of like of of the the conflict between the two sides of himself that's what makes this character so good yeah it's it's um you know you see at the end it's kind of like the biggest maybe like the payoff for that character growth is when he rejects mary jane at the end yes you know that's uh yeah that's kind of um I think that's like a smart choice. I, I feel like maybe um, I think it's almost even like a daring choice because like, yeah, it's, it's about so many movies, so many American movies, you know, it's about the guy getting the girl. So for the guy to turn her, mm-hmm. for him to turn her away at the end, I think is a really good understanding of the character and a good way to leave off um, the movie. But that makes the um, sequel and, all the more better when it does pay off. When yeah, she, exactly. It, it's yes. more earned that way. Yeah. I mean, it, also, yeah. um, 
you know, Mary Jane, um, sorry, Aunt May. Aunt May is also in danger, right? And uh, yeah. a moment that I've always kind of raised an eyebrow is when she gets attacked by Green Goblin and he makes her finish the prayer. I, <laughs> finish I, I it! Just, like, that is so, like, uh, silly to me. Uh, but I feel like this movie has like just a lot of like little quick little moments that I kind of like raise an eyebrow to, you know, just throughout it's, I mean, it's quirky and it's, that's the charm. It's, it's funny. Like I, I, I'm trying like what I'm like, I know I like that. I don't know why I like it. It's so like, like who thinks of that? Like finish it, finish the prayer. And then like, I can hear like in like a sound bite. like there's, there's a couple of like sound bites from this movie that play in my head for the last, like, you know, almost 20 years one of them being her yelling out deliver us <laughs> like oh, that like i like that's been in my head for 20 years the other big one which um amazingly i have not been divorced yet but at least once a <laughs> week i turn to my wife when we're in bed and i go sleep <laughs> uh, yeah 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 that's a, that's a, a silly thing you just go sleep <laughs> uh and then in the next scene when uh spider-man is like waking up and the green goblin it's like wake up spider he has this thing where he like kind of like uh, slaps the back of Peter's head and leans down like, let me tell you something, kid. And like, that's also so silly. Like it was a tense moment. All of a sudden, the Green Goblin is just like, it looks like he's about to give him the birds and the bees talk or something. It's just like, he's theatrical. Yeah, no. All good villains have a little, little theatrical theatricality to yeah, them. Yeah, I suppose. But I just thought that was like that image of, you know, Green Goblin kind of like, uh, sitting there you know like leaning back when he's casually. when he's weirdly like he's leaning on the like air vent and you're just like you can't bend in that costume <laughs> that <me> <laughs> that's probably why <laughs> he's hanging out like a cool kid but uh adam i think you said it perfectly why i think the audience score is surprisingly lower than any of us anticipated you don't know why you like it and some people like if you like it it's like i know <laughs> i like it some people shoot like they don't go for the corniness they don't go for the and that's that's okay. Well, I don't think it's corny. Like so, so I, Campy. I, I kind of do, I, campy I, is the word. I, I, yeah. Well, like yeah, I know why I like it. If it refers to the movie, in in regards to why do I like Aunt May screaming the end of that prayer, I actually don't know. I don't know why I like that other than it being like a very compelling performance and a very heightened scene. Yeah. Um, why I like the movie, aside from it just being about characters I like, um, is that it you know again going back to that idea of like authorship and 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 authorship and feeling the director on on screen like this is just unabashedly a sam raimi yes. film sam raimi is one of my guys um i i love like his whole pretty much his whole filmography um but i just i like that there is no irony here um you know g which i think is what you need in a film about peter parker because Peter Parker is this like nerd who, who takes school and and is he takes school seriously. He's sensitive. He's a um, genuine like, character. He's very genuine. Yeah. yeah, he's he's very genuine, and it's okay for Spider Man to be snarky, but like Peter Parker is a genuine guy, and this film is a genuine film. It is not, it's not poking fun at any of what's happening on screen. You it's know, sweet. And I think that's really important. There's some sweet. Yeah, there's a sweetness there's some to sweet it. Sweet lines like when. Uh, Aunt May's in the hospital and Peter has this like little monologue for you know Mary Jane that's it is like a romantic <laughs> thing there I laughed um, though it's kind of it's kind of over the top but I it, I, I it's kind of funny 
the monologue itself. It does. And, like, there are some dramatic moments throughout the whole thing. I mean, my favorite moment dramatically in all three movies is when Peter confesses to Aunt May yes. about the night Uncle Ben dies, and she does not take it well. I Again, like, that is, like, a yeah. very strong and believable scene, and I like how that movie does go there. So it, there is, um, you know, it, you're right. I, I guess the, that element of irony is not necessarily in this movie, which is interesting because so many Sam Raimi things do have that campy irony to it like you know you know i was watching a couple years ago xena i was watching a couple episodes of xena the warrior princess oh that's right he was yeah. the executive producer on that that is like the campiest yeah. thing and that show ended just like a year well, before this movie came out and lucy lawless campy doesn't necessarily um doesn't necessarily mean it's ironic though okay you know but and uh, would would be would be my would be my my one point there but and this movie is campy like there is a lot of camp to this movie but i think it's also it's not just the sam raimi of it it's that he's trying to evoke like comic yes. books like well, comic books are inherently campy well, and then you have those really tight zoom-ins you know that are that yes. it feels like a moment out zooms. of a comic book like when willem dafoe is like you know, unconscious and experiment, then he wakes up, you have that, you know, like... And the eyes. Yeah, the, there's, like, moments that it seems like that's what it looks like to take a comic book and put it in motion, you know, and... The, yes, and, and it's 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 exactly that. It's when, you, it's when you're looking at, like, a page in a comic book, you've got essentially the wide shot of a character and then a box right next to it with, uh, with a close-up on something else. That's exactly what he's doing. And it also feels exactly like you know many of the shots in evil dead mm -hmm. right like he's 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 been doing crash zooms forever um and then uh inspires like another one of my favorite directors edgar wright like his like so much of his oeuvre is like is in and his aesthetic is is taken from these early sam raimi films well uh it's a very distinct um sort of move you know and it it's it's timed perfectly because yeah, it, it really um, intensifies the scene when it needs it. Um, and I just, my, my last point on that, I need to just very quickly fact check myself before I complete this sentence, but ju I just don't want us to move on from it until until I've said it. I don't know what just happened. I tried to IMDB something, and now it's showing me photos of Asa Butterfield in the TV show Merlin, which is not what I'm searching for. <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly pull it up on my phone. But the thing I was going to say, the other connection between um, Raimi and, and Edgar Wright is that Bill Pope, I believe is the DP on this film. Oh. Um, let me just, uh, I don't know if this. you guys know this, but Lucy Lawless does cameo in this movie. What? Where? Who does Lucy Lawless uh, play? She plays film? the girl in the, mo I, I discovered it last time. So I was able to catch on it this time. She is the girl in the montage smoking, going like Spider-Man. He's kind of cute. That's her. Oh man. The man uh, with eight legs sounds hot. Kinda, yeah. Oh man. I could totally see that it now. Rules. And I love that whole montage too. I mean, that has the line you like stinks. That I don't it like them. It stinks. I think, uh, that's uh, Jim, Jim, Jim Norton. Norton. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. the use of extras in this movie and the background characters, Hey, we get Octavia Spencer, uh, she's stealing yes, that one scene. Right. Like, all right. Yeah, you know, you're, uh, well, even, uh, Bruce Campbell, you know, he appears in all three movies named Spider-Man. Yeah, well, he's Raimi's guy. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice touch for people who are, you know, familiar with his filmography. I'm sure a lot of, uh, evil dead fans were happy to see him pop up. Of course. Uh, and so just real quickly back to the cinematographer, Bill Pope did not shoot this Spider-Man, but Bill Pope shot, spider-man 2 and spider-man oh. 3 he also shot the matrix and like invented like bullet time cinematography um but then went on to shoot um a couple of edgar wright's films most recently um baby driver 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just trying to think with this movie, any other aspects here? I mean, uh, you're just trying to get the whole Spider-Man powers down, right? I mean, you also have some of those shots of the Spidey sense, which are, mm-hmm. you know, like classic. And you see, I don't know, I can't remember any scenes in the third movie, but I know in the second movie, they bring that back with the Spidey sense. And, uh, those, those are... Was- with, with- in, in in Spider-Man 2, it, I feel like it's very specifically doing the Bill Pope bullet time cinematography. Like, he, like, has the sense, and then the camera often, like, swings around him in, like, slow motion. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's that's what you want to see, you know, like, the the Peter Parker's perspective when the Spidey sense kicks mm-hmm. in. Uh, in this third one, I it happens in, like, the first five minutes. Peter Parker's walking on the street, and all of a sudden the spider sense goes off, and he's tracked by Harry Osborn. And oh, I do right. like that yeah, sequence, uh, and, and he's you no, know, he's trying to catch the ring. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. The, yeah, one of the better sequences yes. in that film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I think you know we all really enjoy this Spider-Man movie, obviously. But do you want to maybe say what other movies you would say contest for the best Spider-Man movie? Yeah, I'll I'll give you my my like official ranking. Okay. Um, and I, I have it here because I've already done, I, you know, I've seen all the Spider-Men and I've already done this, sure. um, essentially. Um, so in, in first place, I have uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Yep. In second place, I have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. In third place, I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the movie we're currently talking about, mm-hmm. uh, which was my number two Spider-Man for, you know, since, since Spider-Man 2 came out, I guess, uh, up until Spider-Verse came out. After that, I've got um, Homecoming, uh, then uh, Far From Home, Spider-Man 3, and then the, um, the two Garfield films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to hear your guys' ranking, but I wonder if you might let me give a, a quick little spiel on my, just my, my beef with the representation of Spider-Man in the MCU. Okay, yeah, yeah let, let's hear it. So, first of all, I do really dig those movies, and I, I really like Tom Holland in that role. I think that the uh, inclusion of uh, the uh, CGI pieces in order to give him emotionality while he is wearing the suit is a really incredible idea. I think that the those those Spider-Man movies, or uh, really just the first one, do an excellent job of actually portraying what Queens looks like, and not just physically, but like the demographic in Queens. Like, I like that that is a movie with a a more diverse cast because, like, when you look at this movie, like everyone's yeah. white except for like there's there's some extras and side characters, and there's some wide shots where you're like, yeah, that looks like a group of people in in New York. But like for the most part, this does not represent like the the numerous cultures and peoples that live in New York, yeah. um, which I think is a missed opportunity. My main beef with the MCU version of Spider-Man is that because they did not want to repeat this movie, and and they certainly didn't want to repeat the Garfield films, um, and have the same origin story and show us Uncle Ben dying and show us the um, with great power stuff, instead they they used Tony Stark for that. That's interesting. That's okay. Um, my main problem with that, though, is that you then take Spider-Man, who is essentially like a working-class hero, 
um, who like fights for the people of New York, right? And in Spider-Man Homecoming, you have him very specifically defending the wealth of of a weapons manufacturing billionaire against that. I mean, like, granted, Vulture is doing bad things. He's also like one of the most sympathetic villains in the MCU. Like, and I would maybe like only second to. my, uh, Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan's character in Black Panther, where he is a he's a construction worker who got screwed doubly by said weapons manufacturing yep. billionaire. So you, you you're turning him into this like inversion, this I would say unfortunate inversion of what he should be representing. Uh, and to take things even further, in in uh, Far From Home, which I wish didn't take place outside of new york because mm-hmm. quite frankly like spider-man doesn't work unless he's surrounded by skyscrapers because his, his powers rely on being able to shoot webs into tall buildings um you have him then further sort of like like his whole arc ends up becoming defined by tony stark yep. and it's just really not what spider-man should be in my opinion like i would love if there was if he was fighting like none of the villains that they've had spider-man go up against in the mcu are rooted in spider-man they're not they're barely rooted in peter parker what they are rooted in is tony stark and that i think is a a really unfortunate way of portraying the character because yes you have moments where like oh no he realizes the vulture is his girlfriend's dad and finally it becomes a peter parker problem but like you know true spider-man stories that's not how it goes Right. Well, that's that's my that's my little spiel. I that, that's it. I, never, I never thought of it that way. You know, defending the wealth of Tony Stark, which yeah, I guess that is what he's doing. That's literally that's literally well, all that's, he's doing. He's defending a sh- like a, a the theft of, of of stuff from Stark. That's what he does at the end. But I feel like for a lot of the movie, he's trying to stop the distribution of these weapons in Queens. So yes, and that that works. That's that's all really cool. Yeah, and, um, but yeah, I guess that's like the climactic twist at the end. It's oh, he's robbing yeah. Tony Stark. Um, and I think Tony, St- I think the inclusion of Iron Man in Spider Man has to partly do with the fact that there are no Iron Man it's movies. A business deal. There are no Iron Man movies in Phase Three, so they have to give him other movies to appear in. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. What do you what do you think, Keith? I do think, yeah. Uh, with Spider-Man villains, it's kind of tricky because all his all, a majority of his villains are rob a bank thugs, Sandman like mm-hmm. either uh, Mysterio's rob a bank thug but with illusions, uh, and that's in the comics right. and animated show. And I think in both cases they did something in they wanted to do something interesting and it just happened to be Tony Stark. It kind of makes me happy hearing you that Tony Stark is kind of done with out of the MCU. Hopefully, I hope they don't find a way to bring him back except for maybe a a zombie, a flashback or something like that. Uh, But I I'm predicting uh, and we can timestamp this. I think like Craven would make a great villain in the third one. If we all know who Spider-Man is now, I think Craven Mm -hmm. is solely like a unique villain that could that could be spider-man and i do hope like i i I don't understand the full contract between sony and uh disney with spider-man characters but norman himself could make a great major like antagonist and in the phases going onward not even green goblin i think norman osborne itself is just a great character in the comics that that could translate well to the screen Mm -hmm. 
it's going to be very different from Willem Dafoe's. I get, like, I'm already prepared for that. Yeah. And, uh, but, and Doc Ock, I, I haven't played the game, but I've seen enough, like, I've had to watch some of it on YouTube to just be like, well, to understand Norman the relationship. Osborn is also a, ch a chief villain in that game. That I did not know. Uh, but, and not green, and not green goblin. There's no green goblin in that game, but there is Norman Osborn. I think at least with, uh, I think with Homecoming, it's just a kid trying to stop weapons, and Tony Stark is his hero. I, I understand, and, and and maybe he could just, there could be development. I, we're going to get like a Harry Potter, a lot of Spider-Man movies, probably of him growing up. So maybe he could at one point be angry at Tony Stark. Like I, I would yeah. love, I would know. I like you're angry. I, I just, I just think it's, it's funny that in, in this movie, the villain is a weapons manufacturer, and in Spider-Man: Homecoming, he's defending the wealth of a weapons. Well, manufacturer. that is I'm Tony just... Stark, though. Like in, in the first Iron Man movie, he's like the weapons manufacturer, like supplying to the military, and then he has like guilt and you know that kind of thing. So yeah. I, I've never, I never made that connection before, but now I totally see it. I, I, you know, I got a kick out of too with Oscorp, how everything is green in the factory <laughs> yeah. you know like this really are hinting at who this guy becomes everything is green this is the green company you know even the graphics and it's such an intense green yeah 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 very <laughs> even like the computer everything has to be in green uh, um, i yeah. uh, but I, with your list adam i think i'm the same list except i would switch uh three and four for like uh spider-man three see spider-verse is so good and but spider-man two holds a special place in my heart of just being a great one of the best superhero movies just nothing's gonna beat that. um it's, but it's too good spider-man homecoming probably does come in three for me and then spider-man mm -hmm. and then uh i i really enjoyed I, they got mysterio in a way that i wanted him on screen and the scenes with him cool villain very cool villain played by nightcrawler <laughs> like jake gyllenhaal <laughs> and yeah uh and i can i know why the amazon uh, not the amazon the amazing spider-man movies reading the notes the studio notes with that i know why they they amplified stuff way too much or didn't really cover it or wanted to avoid it at all that it ended up being just like a a millennial carbon copy of the raimi spider-man and they just couldn't pull it off yeah i have a confession to make i have not seen the andrew garfield spider-man movies because i thought it was too soon since you know the third one had come out and i know people didn't like that one but i was like another spider-man no i was like so against the idea of another spider-man like franchise that i just refused to see them and then i guess i warmed up to the idea by the time tom holland spider-man movies came about and i i, I do like yeah. those i just for, i like homecoming a lot i just don't know why but far from home didn't do it for me and i need to see it again because i only saw it once in theaters but something about that movie just like I don't know, just didn't work for me. I, I, I feel like I have to see it yeah. again to really figure out why. But that was my natural reaction. I'm like, uh, I don't think I'll go back to that one as much as Homecoming. It, I kind of walked out of the theater on that one, and I was like, wow, I had a really good time. And that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't, like, like I, I had no, like, I was just like, I have no other, I have nothing really else to say about this movie. And 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 uh, there, there's a lot about it that, that I think really works. Mostly it comes down to like character performances, um, like the acting in that movie, like everyone's really, you know, working. Um, for me, it's it's like, stop taking Spider-Man out of New York. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see him in the city. Like, m my favorite moment in that whole movie was like the final like shots of the film where he's swinging around Midtown with, uh, with, with Mary Jane. Yeah. Like, that's the best stuff. Um, I really didn't love that 
Mary Jane figures out who he is so quickly. I mean, it's obvious who he is. Like, so on the other hand, like she wouldn't seem all that intelligent if she didn't figure it out. But I just think that the main conflict of Spider-Man is this Peter Parker v Spider-Man thing, and you take that away in like almost you know very early on in his second solo film. It's just you know, and Art May knows who yeah, he is too. And May right? finds like, out the end of the Homecoming movie. Yeah, so I I think that if you strip that out of Spider-Man, I'm not really sure what you're left with. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they do with the character. I think now. that's I guess, what matters. You, know, you, you find the danger of the two Spider-Man and Peter Parker becoming one and the same. Like it's in, in you don't distinguish between exactly. the two. And yeah, that that is an yeah. issue because every great superhero franchise that is that you know, I mean that's you know Bruce Wayne versus Batman, Clark Kent versus Superman. Yeah, you, you know, that's that's such an interesting dichotomy. You really shouldn't like erase that. It is decidedly not a large piece of conflict in any of the MCU films. Simply because in that first Iron Man film, Downey Jr. improvises that I am Iron Man line. They think it rules, they keep it in. And as a result, none of the superhero movies that we get in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the exception of I guess 96% of the first Spider-Man film, like Secret Identity is not anyone's like source of conflict. Yeah, Doctor Strange is just Doctor Strange, you know. Um everyone yeah. knows Captain America like everyone knows who everyone is basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's trying to ver- that's another point that I guess maybe they I don't know if they felt that that's been done already. I I'm not sure. Um but that's yeah, that's interesting that's not really a theme at all in any of those movies. If if we yeah. could have one movie where I, I do appreciate, and I know they're trying to not recreate Raimi si- Spider Man, but I'm kind of they took a chance on not having him in New York, and they with the, the with the genres they've been going through with the Spider Man, the first one being like that team rom com style, like John Hughes, uh, and this one being a teen Euro trip style. Like you even like Martin Starr and uh, JB Smooth are playing like those. They're they're right out of like they're they're, they're so, so good. good, but they're right out of like early two thousand Euro trip type movies. Uh, yeah, I, I'm okay with them doing something different with this. And I know like Spidey is New York, uh, but it's uh, that that one. I I've heard that criticism, and I'm like, oh, it's, they tried something and. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the third one. As it all depends, well, it, it all I, depends with what they know, do. Remember, uh, like there was a thing last year, you know, when it, it seemed like Disney and Sony were not going to extend, you know, their deal, and that would be it for Spider-Man in the MCU. And I, I didn't know how that was going to work because, like, are they going to just now erase him out of the MCU storyline? Are they going to now just have him appear in the Venom movie? Like, I I wasn't sure what was going to happen there, and I I still don't know what they're going to do with him. But I would have been at least curious to see how that would have played out if that still was an ongoing um conflict i I honestly would have been excited to see that given you know my my essential beef with with the mcu version of spider-man is the way that he's forced to interact with the legacy of the mcu yeah i mean that's the whole idea Uh, everything is so integrated now by now and in the that franchise you can't really have like one character be totally separate from everyone else unless it's thor on some planet that we haven't even heard of but if it's spider-man on earth right yeah you know it, it's already been integrated i i think that um sam raimi's uh doctor strange and the multiverse of madness is going to be like sort of like the key that unlocks the next phase of of superhero storytelling for us where they're going to 
they're going to dive into all of that kind of stuff and they're going to create situations where people can come and go from the main storyline of the mcu and create individual stories without that baggage because they'll be able to either say this is they, they, they could even go as far as being like here's a spider-man movie starring tom holland it exists completely outside of the continuity because it's a multiverse where there are no other superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like they could very easily do that for all we know. And, uh, they can also they could also take the Spider-Man we know and love uh, and push him to a universe where it's you know he's maintaining all his memories, etc. But he's in a new place where Iron Man never existed and New York looks very different. You know, yeah, they could they do could that. Do that. Uh, I think you're. I think Tobey Maguire is going to find himself. I could totally see uh, both Tobey Maguire and Gar- Andrew Garfield voicing themselves in uh, Spider-Verse 2. If I had to put like a, a $25 well, to- chip Toby on Tobey Maguire was supposed to. I could totally. He was supposed to have a cameo in the first one. I didn't know that, but I could totally see that happening in the sequel. And I could totally see Sam, uh, him popping up again in uh, the Doctor Strange sequel. I could. Now, for the record, I think my Spider-Man rankings are pretty much the same as yours, except I don't even include the Garfield ones because I haven't even seen them. So it would not even be fair for me to like rank and assess them. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's two is just something that's special for all of us. The second one, mm-hmm. and it's just interesting. You know, we're talking about all these other movies that have come out since then, the whole MCU, and you know, I, I think we all agree that it kind of all started here with this first Spider-Man movie, yeah. and um, agreed. Yeah. I don't think anyone could have possibly predicted the, all the doors of possibilities that this, this movie unlocked. Hey! Unlock the thing! Take the chain off! Hey, Freak Joe! You're going nowhere! I got you for three minutes! Three minutes of bleak time! Ah! What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. So with that said, uh, I think, like you said, we, we all kind of are agreeing. But uh, what what score would you give this movie on, on a you know percentage level, uh, Adam? What, what would you say? It's really hard to say. Um, like, I have a lot easier time. I have an easier time doing like the star rating, so to speak. Okay. Um, so for me, this is like an order. You know, it's a four point five out of five. Like hands down, no problem. And then, you know, Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 are both 5 out of 5. So I guess that makes this like a 90%. Like if we're talking 4 out of 5, 4.5 out of 5. Um, but then I'm like, hmm, you know what? I think it's a 90%. Um, but then I want to like dock like three percentage points for the opening voiceover of uh, this like all stories is a story about a girl and just like MJ's general lack of like agency throughout the film. Mm-hmm. As, as and also like the lack of uh diversity in 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 the film I, I think like has aged poorly but like even then like i i think you have to like mention those things it doesn't make me go like burn it down like you know this movie is still always going to be something i i feel nostalgia for and like want to watch like at least once a year there there i'll just say there there are like two movies um on my my shelf that basically like literally any day of the week i could put them on have a great time and like feel a lot better about my life one of them is this movie and one of them is jurassic park oh, okay class yeah definitely classics that are just you know i almost maybe you could say crowd pleasers but i mean they're more than that you know they just did so much for their respective genres so um they, they, they yeah. do and go hand in hand if you think about it that way yeah 
What would you say, Keith? What would your percentage be? I kind of, I I looked at it. I remember the feelings I had walking out when I was 11, 12. And now with all the film knowledge and criticism that I've gained over the past 20 years, it's, uh, I think, no doubt Sam Raimi stuck the landing with this and he only improved on it with the sequel and he had the third one uh <laughs> he did he did his thing with the third one i am going to give this an 85 like i okay. i i i can get some of the see for adam for me this isn't a, like if it's on or every time i'm going to watch this movie i'm i'm going to have a good time but it's not a movie i it's not one of my go-to films, personally. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, in, uh, I think the other three Spider-Man movies above it on my, my list are like Homecoming 2 and now Spider-Verse are just really make me love, uh, just make me love this character even more. But yeah, no, I think this movie gets the things about Spider-Man right and is amplified by some fantastic performances, some... At the time, groundbreaking uh, CGI, a great score, and yeah, I I think the legacy of this film, both the ironic memes, the camp, the background characters, I think this <laughs> film, this film, this trilogy just makes puts a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, this movie was like the quintessential, like, you know. We saw it with the family. We couldn't stop talking about it. We got it on DVD as soon as it was out on DVD. We watched it at home yeah. together. You know, it was like a staple in the uh, Focaraccio household. Um, and then, you know, the second one uh, became even more so that. I, I kind of lean more towards you, Keith, with the 85. Uh, just because I feel like, you know, maybe the, the characters just get expanded upon so much more in the second one. Because I would put the second one at like above a ninety. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, I just want to leave enough room for the second one to go up. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I'm sticking with um, that one. And I just remembered something. I would be remiss if I did not mention a particular character in this first one. I think is near and dear to some of our friends' hearts. The infamous Bone Saw. Oh, oh yes. Bone Saw. <laughs> bone Saw. Ready. Got you. Got oh, you for three bone minutes. McGraw. I didn't. Three minutes. I didn't catch time. until this viewing that he had a last name, but his name is Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> Amazing. It's like little touches like that. Like they get in. What was that Randy Savage? Is that who that was? Yes. Yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh man, Amazing. Bonesaw is ready. Uh, this an uh, unbelievably memorable moment in comic book history. Yeah, Bonesaw. Bonesaw. Like oh man. That, that, oh, you are you are reminding me though that I do need to dock another point for uh, homophobia. I knew you. Were, uh, I, I that line. Oh, oh, did your did your husband make that for that, you? That uh, line d- does he, stick out, my, and I was like, oh, two thousand two. It ages very very badly. Yeah. The only way for me to the only way for me to forgive that line on any level is for me to me to put in my head canon that. Uh, Spider-Man isn't being homophobic because he's a homophobic person. Spider-Man is looking at someone who is so addicted to their own performative masculinity that he knows the only way to get under his skin is to do something homophobic. And that's the only way I can justify that scene. I still don't like it. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you this. I was not offended. And, um, yeah, I, I could see if other people were. But 
uh, I think that's what he said. I think is what you were you were hinting at, Adam. Just I think he's just like um, undermining Bonesaw's masculinity, yeah. and that's something you don't want to do if you're in the cage with Bonesaw for three minutes yeah. of playtime. Um, <laughs> the one just want to bring that uh, up. Yeah. I think I think some of our friends would uh, actually grill us if we did not bring up that character before wrapping this up. Agreed. Uh, uh, so, uh, with that though, uh, I don't think we need to average our scores. I think it's pretty clear that we are siding with the critics on indeed we on are. Spider-Man. Uh, you know, funny enough, I think the third one is divided in the reverse direction, where um, it's or maybe it's the same way. I have to look into that. But I think the third one is also divided. But that one's been lampooned a bunch of times, and I feel like this. Yeah. I rather speak positively on this franchise than negatively on uh, the weaker yeah. part. I think you'll have a good time watching Spider-Man Three. The dance is iconic now; it's in Spider-Verse. You know my, it's unbelievable Spider- that exists. Spider-Man Three is is uh, for me the the tragedy of Spider-Man Three is just that it's it feels like um, a missed opportunity that just doesn't live up to the potential of the of the second mm-hmm. movie. I, 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 but th- this is the other thing though with Raimi is that his third movie in a trilogy is always going to be uh, more campy than anything else, mm-hmm. and like that's what's Sp- yes. you know, Army of Darkness, Spider Man Three. Like, uh, I think it's a, a very fair sort of uh, uh, comparison. And he didn't want to do. He, he didn't want to do Venom, so I think he just didn't know what to do with Venom. I kind of love that performance, though. From from uh, <laughs> what's his name? From Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Yeah, I I I don't know. The thing about that movie, <laughs> uh, even at the time, I think that was one of the first times where I walked out of a theater as a kid, being like, I don't think that was that good. Like, I kind of questioned I whether know. the movie was good or not, and I was disappointed. But, but the but, making you know, that was, I think that was um, that was the first movie I believe that I drove myself to the theater to see. I think I I believe it came out like right after I got my driver's license, hmm. um, and I remember like it was like a that for me and my friends in high school that was one of the coolest things about being able to drive was we can drive to the multiplex <laughs> and see movies. Yeah. And so I you know I remember where like when my like one of my good friends got his license and he was like I'm gonna drive us to see Cloverfield and it was like of this big exciting day and then when it was my turn it was Spider Man right 3. on right on <laughs> a little personal victory too with the Spider Man franchise though that was a year of threes that came out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean three and shrek mm. 3 and i remember thinking like oh i hope spider-man beats those other movies and it did so even though it's not as good it still you know beat them at the box office so it was uh, my first midnight showing it was my first midnight really? show. i i was wow. i was so excited for it and i i i think only one person clapped and i can argue and maybe it was me just having no idea like i think i was more excited just to see a movie at at midnight but I remember the audience uh, reaction to Sandman's uh, origin. Like, uh, like re- I still think that's one of the most brilliant things. And the special effects behind that, I think it took two, three years to do, uh, to make. Uh, but his creation is one of my, yeah, like, at the time, it's at such the time, a highlight. Yeah, that, was cool. that was probably, yeah, the highlight of the movie. It's like a great short that- film. That was one of those movies. I remember I, in the mm-hmm. 2000s, there were all these movies where I had like these moments from like, whoa, they can do this now with, like, CGI? Yeah. I think that was a moment for me, too. I was like, whoa, like, this is, like, so cool we can do this now. Uh, I bet yeah. even my parents, though, my parents love everything. And even after Spider-Man 3, they, my, I remember my mom saying, like, 
there weren't enough scenes of him swinging around the city. Like, even <laughs> they kind of had some qualms with it. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, they love everything, usually. Um, yeah. But we, we'll always love this first Spider-Man movie, and uh, yeah. we'll always defend it and spread that love. So thank you, Adam, for, uh, again, like making this recording possible. Thank you so for, much, uh, man. No joining us here to uh, talk about Spider-Man. And uh, Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can have more... Uh, remote recording soon to get more divided film discussions out there so uh, until then uh, thanks again guys for uh, listening and tune in soon for more divided films